What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. We gon' make it all the way. We don't care what they all will say. Don't listen to the hate, no. Listen to my fate, yo. Destined to be great, yo. Hello, and thank you for joining us this week. I'm your host today, Justin Short. This week, we're in the middle of one of our three launch weeks with the Lifestyle Practice. Essentially, what that is, if if you're not familiar, is our launch weeks are when we try to onboard the bulk of our new clients. This helps us to focus and streamline the process for them and for us. So this week, since we're in the middle of that, I thought it would be fitting to interview a client that I worked with beginning in the spring, late spring maybe, and who signed up for six months, and we worked one-on-one, and we're just in the process of finishing up currently. Uh, Again, if you want more information about the Lifestyle Practice Academy or coaching, make sure you are signed up on our email list, which there are several, several ways to do that on our website, thelifestylepractice.com, or you can email us at Justin, Derek, or Steve at thelifestylepractice.com and tell us you'd like to be put on there. And we, when you do that, we will know that you are a very intelligent, good-looking person. And no, we don't spam you with worthless, crappy information. So you can rest assured there. But anyways, let's move on to our interview. Today I have Chad Zom who owns Brocky Dental in York, Pennsylvania. And he is a complete stud, and I'm anxious uh, for you guys to get to meet him a little bit, hear his story. Chad, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Thanks, Justin. It's uh, it's, it's kind of cool to talk about the story, and you know, I'm hoping you, as long as I, can inspire some people to take the next step and kill it and practice ownership. So I'm not sure I'm a stud. Um, I don't know if that's a good word for me, but... I appreciate that. Well, yeah, I was going to say that I actually brought you on so we could uh, inspire and motivate some people because uh, just in case I couldn't cut the mustard, wouldn't be the first time. Um, I support you on that. <laughs> but to give, and I actually meant to ask you this before we even uh, talked. So if you don't want me to, to share this, that is fine. But to give context, I'd like to share the very first email you sent of our very first contact, because I think it's very representative of many docs out there. Is that okay with you? Yeah, absolutely. That's a pivotal point for me. So, so this is verbatim our first interaction. And again, I'm sorry for catching you off guard. No, it's great. But I'm gonna talk about that anyway. I mean, so, yeah. It says, "Hey, Justin. I hope this email finds you well. My name is Chad Zom. I'm a dentist in York, Pennsylvania. I'm writing you because I feel like I am in the need of some guidance in my career and life." I have a 100% fee-for-service practice, and we collected around the $1 million mark the last two years and look to be doing the same this year. My struggle is fulfillment. When I took over the practice six years ago, I was really into leadership and coaching and mission and vision and core values. I'm struggling with that right now, and I'm worried that I won't be able to last the next 20 to 30 years in my current mindset. The word burnout comes to mind a lot lately. And I don't want that for my family or my team at the office. I know this is not much for you to go on, and I truly don't know if you're available or have the time to take on another client or how that process would even work. I feel like I have a lot to offer dentistry and my team, so I thought I'd reach out and see what happens. And at the very least, thanks for listening. So I read that today, and I'm like, man, we got to include that because a lot of docs feel very similar and myself included at times. So, Chad, tell us a little bit about just your story since graduation. What did you do when you graduated, and how did you end up with the practice you have now? Yeah, so, I mean, thanks for sharing that. That was something I kind of want to talk about, too, because, you know, it was a pivotal, like I said, pivotal moment in my career, in my life, kind of doing that. So I, I graduated from Temple in 2009, and I was, you know, struck with that decision, do I go to a GPR they're going to write into private practice. Like, what does that look like for me? And I, we had some, some, some reps come to the school and talk to us. And they say they had some positions available in some offices, you know, in certain locations from, you know, across the state and across the country. And I went on my first interview, 
not even graduated with dental school yet. And the guy, he seemed cool. You know, it seemed like it was a good, good practice, larger practice. He basically put a contract in my face for $100,000 and said, when can you start? I said, I was pumped. You know, that was a big contract out of school. I didn't even graduated yet and I got a job, <laughs> you know, so it was exciting. Making six figures. Making six figures, you know. And so anyway, I finished school, went to practice and it was, like I said, it was a larger practice, six docs. There was probably, I think, seven or eight hygienists running at one time. Um, a lot of older docs. So there was a lot of, I, I could learn a lot. I felt like it was a good growing you know, practice for me from dental school to private practice. And it looked like the business was run well. So I got in there, you know, I was just kind of running for about a year or two. And I had, I have a little bit of the entrepreneurial spirit in me and started getting a little itch. So right about that time, that doctor who owned that practice decided that he was going to start, you know, branching out a little bit and opening up satellite offices. And he felt that I had the skills and the the mindset communication skills to open up another practice for him. So that was kind of, it satisfied my itch a little bit. Right. I'm sure it felt good to hear that. Oh, it did. I mean, I was like, man, I'm like two years out of school. He wants me to run this practice. I was like, all right, I'm doing things right. So we went through the process of setting that practice up, doing the marketing and everything. So I learned a little bit about that process. Didn't learn so much of the business end of thing. Cause I wasn't really seeing the numbers you know, I was just having conversations about why we're not meeting numbers and stuff like that. Uh, but it was in a smaller town, a tough demographic. So I ran that practice for about two years. And again, that itch started coming again. And it was a little bigger this time. And I felt like I knew enough at that point to search for my own place. So we started looking, my wife and I started kind of looking like around the whole country. We weren't really tied to the area that we're in. I grew up and lived here, but I wasn't tied to staying here. So, you know, you see, you start looking at some of these practices for sale and you start seeing the numbers and you see the true numbers. And I just got, I got kind of deflated about it at first, but kept up with the, the deal engines of it and found, found the practice I am in right now through a brokerage company. And I took that practice over in April of 2013 um, actually, April Fool's Day in 2013. <laughs> so I was really concerned about what was going to happen. But, right. um, you know, so he went through all the process. The, the doc was a good doc. He's a good guy, a good relationship with his patients. And for me, it was a, it's a fee-for-service practice. That's what I wanted. I was in a fee-for-service practice before and then went to a participant in practice. So I was, I was really, you know, intrigued by that. So um, that's kind of how this, the journey started up until that point. Right. And before we go on, let me just tell people listening kind of the things we're going to during this interview, we're going to kind of talk about where Chad was when we first started, kind of his goals for where he wanted to get to during our time working together and even far beyond that. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about what we did from the time that during the time that we worked together. And then we'll also talk at the end, um, kind of where he ended up. So we're going to try to make this story go full circle. And I definitely think it's inspiring and definitely worth listening to. So I wish I could just fast forward, but I can't because there's a lot of good stuff along the way. You purchased this practice 2013, April Fool's Day. What kind of numbers was the practice doing when you purchased it? So yeah, when I took the practice over, they were averaging the seven to 800,000. It was, and I was trending downward. You know, the doc was in that so-called back nine of his career and he was just, you know, doing the stuff he wanted to do. You know, I think that last year before I took it over, it was just over 700. And that was uh, the 2012 year. Um, I took over in April of 2013 and from April to the end of the year, we did almost about seven, 800,000 in that like nine month window there. That's great. And how was the transition overall from you, for you, you know, everybody who we talked to, you know, every myself included, Derek included, Steve included, you included, every doctor out there, when you purchase your first practice, it's nerve-wracking. And it doesn't matter if you do it the day you graduate school, or it doesn't matter if you associate for 10 years and then do it. It's still nerve-wracking. Everybody always has the same fears, concerns, everything else. 
How was your transition? What kind of struggles did you have? Was it smooth sailing? How was it? It was terrifying at first. You know, it was, I learned a lot of good cultural kind of things from that, the larger practice, the first office I was in that, you know, they kind of instilled in us. And that's kind of where I got that leadership kind of stuff kind of instilled in me. And, you know, so coming to a new office, you know, I was going into a situation where I had complete, like my, my clinical expectations were double or tripled walking in the door, you know, and my business know-how had to be 300 times what it was when I walked in, you know, so I had to go in with a lot of confidence. I feel like, you know, because of the seven employees that were there, two of them were younger than me. And those two that were younger than me were right out of, you know, assisting school or hygiene school, you know? So here I am, this guy cleanly shaven, look probably a little bit younger than you, Justin, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was scary. I mean, the transition went well though. The doc that I bought the practice from, he stayed on for the first about year and a half. He would work basically two half days uh, of the week for me, Tuesdays and Thursdays and a half, like in the morning. So he was in the office a lot and he was you know, very helpful for me, you know, communicating with the patients, the transition and everything. And just the patients seeing him still there and seeing our connection between each other was a good thing. You know, they didn't feel like it was like a complete overhaul change. I think that, I think that happens with a lot of practices nowadays is the patients are concerned, the team members are concerned. You know, I was asked day one, are we going, are we, are we changing things? Like, well, it looks like things are working. Like I can't, I don't know what to change unless I'm in here for a while. And then we figure, kind of figure that out together. So overall, I think it was a good transition. I had some issues with some you know, employees and stuff, you know, here and there that kind of sprouted up. But, you know, I learned a lot in that first year, you know, about business that you can't learn in a classroom. You can't learn by reading books. It's just the, the, the in the dirt kind of, you know, getting your hands dirty kind of thing, just learning it. Right. Looking back, um, knowing what you know now, would you have that doctor stay on post-sale? And if so, how long would you have him stay on it knowing what you know now looking back? I mean, I, I think I definitely would have him stay on. I mean, it's been my experience that, you know, it's just, it's hard to say because it's, it speaks a lot to his character. I mean, I think I just met the right, the right guy. And, you know, I knew within five minutes of talking to him that his practice was the practice I wanted to be part of, you know? So to me, it was kind of like a, it wasn't about the money of the practice. It wasn't about, you know, the, due diligence kind of stuff it all has to be done yeah but if i can't look at the guy and trust him then you know i didn't want him there so and my advice would be is if you trust them and things are looking good and he still wants to be there i mean have a plan you know i think we have a, a clear-cut plan going in um that he was going to stay for a year you know contracted for a year and then after that we kind of went month by month basically and then one day he kind of just he came into the office like hey so I think I'm done. I'm like, okay. I said, when? All right. He said, well, well what about see you later? later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, well, we got big goals. Huh? Yeah. Well, so that's why it, it sounds like he was an awesome dude, which unfortunately isn't always the case. But when you do find those stocks who are like that, man, it's awesome. I've heard so many horror stories, but I love the ones where it, the doc, you in this situation, is still talking good. It has nothing good to say about the man they were an asset to me that helped. That's cool. I think that's a good word for all of us out there. I tried to be like that when I sold my practice. I still reach out to the guy who bought my practice and saying, hey, how things going? Do you need anything? Any questions? Blah, blah, blah. What can I help with? But I think it's really good for all of us to remember that when we get to that point. You know, be helpful. Don't be a dick. Just be nice. Yeah, I agree. I and mean, it's, they're, they're, they're people, you know, it's, I mean, you, you feel like it's, you know, cause that's, and that's been his practice for 30 years. I mean, there are, there are genuine people out there that really care. Um, and if you can find one or find a practice like that, man, just bite on it, you know, do it. No, we're going to switch gears here for just a second, but I think this is a small point, but I think it's it's a good lesson. And one thing that stood out to me in the very beginning of us working together, and again, it was small, but as I say quite often, everything counts when you're running a business. 
you have a pretty big tattoo, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> True. So you've got a sleeve, as they say, and uh, as the kids say, you have a sleeve. And we talked about that. And you asked me about it. Does it matter? Does it not? And we both agreed, came to the conclusion that it does matter. Everything happening in our office says something about us, how our team acts, how we look, how our team looks, how the office looks, etc. And all the way down even to a sleeve tap, right or wrong, you can't argue with the fact that there will always be a percentage of your patient base, of all of our patient bases, that are going to make an assumption, subconsciously or not, about that when they see that. And it's your practice, and you have every right in the world to say, hey, this is who I am. If you don't like it, take a hike. But that is not what the most successful practice owners say. So I know when we talked about it, and we agreed, it's probably better for the most part to keep it covered in the office, to make it easier for your patients, your serving, you not have to make that conscious or subconscious judgment. That made me, when you understood that, that made me feel like this guy gets it. Like he understands what we're going for. You know, if you build a relationship with a patient and you want to show it, show off the art, great, go for it. But at the office, we're not here for us or we're not at our offices to get our way all the time or to further our agenda. And I'm not just referring to Chad's, um, situation here. And I don't think because he has a sleeve tat, he has some subversive agenda. But when we're at the office, we're there to make our team and our patients feel better about themselves. And that in turn is what will propel your office to the top. So I appreciated that. I can't tell you how many times I have, I'm sure you have, and other docs out there have ate crap sandwiches at the office with a smile. Um, and I feel like I did it a lot. But in turn, because I was able to do that and not always get my way, I had four days a week, 240 days a year, I could go home and complain about crap if I wanted to or throw a fit and get my way. And I was willing as the leader to lose some battles in order to win, to eventually win the war. And I appreciated that you understood that from day one. I thought that was really good. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't think you should have to change your character to make some of those, you know, some of those things happen. But I think for sure those patients are coming for a specific reason. And I think is there's a certain expectation, a certain level of customer service that, you know, you're a professional, you know, you have to, like you said, eat that crap sandwich sometime and, you know, smile and keep doing, cause you have a, you know, with your, with your goals and with, you know, what you want to do with your practice in your life, you know, that nothing's going to be easy. I mean, um, you know, so there is a, a little conformity, you know, with that. But so the patients that know it and see it and see my tattoo, they love it. They ask the story about it all the time. So it's a cool little connection point. But yeah, there's absolutely some patients that are, you know, would be drawn away from that. So, right. I think that's good. When we began in the late spring, um, I'm going to just kind of go through kind of where you were at numbers wise, if that's all right. You were averaging roughly about 93000 a month. You're working four days a week, taking four weeks off per year, and overhead was about 70% per year intake form. That all sound accurate? Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. And over the next, because we always go through this in the beginning, over the next 12 months, even though we were only working together for six, your goals were to get to on average, $100,000 production. You wanted to get to three and a half days a week. And we wanted to get overhead to 60%. And you wanted to get to the point where you could take six weeks off per year. Does that all sound accurate? Yeah, I mean, I think that's <laughs> that's that's accurate. That's not what happened, but that's accurate for what we, right. what we were planning. <laughs> all right. So tell us a little bit about your practice. The number of ops, team members kind of your location in your area, type of dentistry you perform, all that jazz. Okay. Yeah. So um, I think you alluded to this before. We're in York, Pennsylvania. Um, this is kind of a suburb right out or like a city right outside of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, a little more known area there. So 
we're right by a college, a pretty, you know, liberal arts kind of college. So the area that my practice is locating in is a pretty, pretty wealthy area, um, pretty nice compared to the rest of that city. As far as the team members, you know, we have two office team members up front, you know, scheduling and taking phone calls and, you know, talking treatment plans with patients and financial arrangements. We have two hygienists, well, three hygienists basically working on a two day, two hygiene per day schedule, just kind of alternating. One hygienist works four days a week. One hygienist works three days a week. And we have a hygienist that works one day a week. And then we also have an expanded function dental assistant and one other dental assistant. Um, but the five ops total and one op that's kind of, it's there. You know, it still has the 1977 chair in it, but it's there if we need it or for overflow patients like that. So I want to comment. I know we already mentioned in the very beginning that you are fee for service. And I want to comment on that aspect because I know from experience, it's easy for doctors who are not fee for service to give themselves a way out here. And I don't want that to happen. You know, they can say, oh, Chad was able to do what he has done because he is fee for service. And that's just not true. You know, so PPO docs out there, Medicaid docs out there, don't, on your own behalf, for yourself, don't give yourself that excuse. I own two practices. One was fee for service. One was PPO. Derek's practice is fee for service. Steve's is Medicaid um, and PPO. So. None of those are determining factors in the success you can reach. Yes, there are pros and cons of each, and that's something we all have to deal with. But I know our human nature is to look at a situation like yours, Chad, and look for that way out. Well, of course, like I said, of course Chad can do it. He's fee-for-service. BS. Fee-for-service practices struggle just like PPO practices, I guarantee you, because I know. So bottom line, if there's one thing I've learned in coaching for over three years now, is that there are doctors killing it and struggling in every town across America and with every type of patient base, with every type of fee structure. So if we know that, then we can remove that excuse and get down to the truth that the determining factor in each of those scenarios, the difference is the doctor, the leader, the owner of that business their effort, their know-how, their drive, their relentless nature to not settle for what every other average dentist has. Um, So that's one thing I wanted to point out. The next thing I want to point out is that I think it's good to point out that your practice wasn't really struggling or in the dumps by any stretch. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, there's a lot of docs out there performing with hearing you, the way, the level you were already perfor- performing at would have thought, man, we're doing great. We're on top of the world. There's probably not much room for me to grow or to change or to improve. And I think that's kind of a misnomer that people feel like their practice has to really be struggling to reach out for help. And sometimes that's the case, and we're here to help with that. But often it's the practices that are doing fine or even good already but it's the old adage of what got you here won't get you there necessarily the skills or or motivation or systems or way of looking at things or leading your team often will get us to a certain point but it often takes something different often another skilled set of eyes to come in look at our practices objectively and you know they see things hey try this try that um And then we're able to make another push and move that ceiling even higher. Just like I'm sure, Chad, you could have came in my practice towards the end of my career and saw, hey, Justin, maybe try this or try this. Just like if you, you know, walk in your house every day, you don't notice the scratch paint or whatever. And that's how we go with our practices. But before we kind of get into the things we focused in on your practice, I want to know for you. What was the tipping point for you, Chad, that pushed you or made you decide, I'm getting a coach, someone to help keep me accountable to achieve higher level of success that I know I'm capable of? What was the motivation or what pushed you over that line? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't, 
I don't think there was like one tipping point specifically for it. I think, you know, honestly, Justin, I think I kind of stalked you for about two or three years, just kind of listening to what you had to say. Um, Usually it's the women who do that, Chad, but but yeah, I was just, I was kind of just going, like you said, you know, I, I, I commend you for saying that about the fee for service versus the, the Medicaid practice. Like we have the same conversations in our practice that you guys have, and the other practices too. There's still people. There's still it's still their money. You know, it's still it's still impacting their lives. So those conversations are always the same. You know, so I was kind of like you said, it was a it was a well run practice. I wasn't as intentive or you know focused on you know the little things that you say like everything matters. I wasn't focused on those things. I was just kind of going about my day every day, showing up, doing what we're gonna do. The money was coming in, you know, then it got to the point where I just slowly kind of like crept into this level of like unhappiness. Like what, you know, is this is all it's going to be? I was working, sure, working four days a week. You know, it seemed like, you know, yeah, you have three days off on the weekend. It seemed great, you know, but you're exhausted because your mind's not in it. And then your your time with your family isn't really quality time. It's It's quantity time, but not quality. So, you know, my family, I guess, was like my why two young kids, you know, wife at home had to make sure they were taken care of. And I wanted to be a part of their lives too. You know, I didn't want this just to be the rest of my life like this. So when I wrote you that email, that's where I was. I was like, man, this is just, this, I should feel happier. You know, I, f- I should feel more blessed with what I'm given and what, what's happening. And, you know, I felt like there was, I needed to do something to change it. It wasn't just going to change itself. So I finally reached out. And the fact that you, and the fact that you actually emailed me back, that was it, man. <laughs> I was like, this guy's the deal. I'm in. Yeah, I appreciate you say that because I am. You know, we try to be very responsive. You know, as much as we can, and I think just like I was at my patients, um, I always had. And this is completely aside, and it's going to take us off track a little bit, but it's again, it goes back to everything count. It's that culture, just like in my office. So we had a, a contact us or submission form on our website in our practice. And that always flowed right to me. And then I would decide, do I need to just forward this on to my front desk and let her handle it? Or is this something I can help the patient with? And so many times, you know, when I would answer a question or if they said they had a question and, you know, it was something I could handle, just took me a few seconds, I would respond. And they, I mean, it was like, I'd say over half the time they, oh my gosh, can't believe the doctor actually responded. You know, but it, it said something to them, and again, everything counts. And I think another thing I want to mention is that your motivations, I think, are very similar to a lot of docs that we work with. Yes, we often focus on increasing profit. Yes, sometimes we focus on decreasing time in the office, but it's never. No one's ever written in or contacted us and say, "Hey, I want you to." help me become more profitable in my practice just because I just want to go crazy shopping. You know, I just, there's this car, it's like 300 grand I want to get, or no one ever says that. It's usually, I want to become more profitable to be able as a means to an end to be able to do X, Y, Z. Usually it's family, spend time with family, be more present at home, be able to provide whatever. And I think that is a darn good goal. I know that's, that was my why. Um, but there's that pesky thing called money that it makes it easier. I mean, there's no, to me, there's no way around it. M- having more money gives you more freedom unless you just want to really cut back on what your life looks like. You know, if you want to just go buy a smaller house, buy an old Peter cart, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but most of us don't want to do that. So we want to maintain that lifestyle for us and our family. But we also want the freedom to be able to enjoy that lifestyle with them. So let's talk about some of the things that we focused on after we talked that first time and so on on your practice. And know this list isn't exhaustive, but I'm going to list a few of the things I know that we worked on. And then I'll, I want to get your feedback, too, on what you felt like had the biggest impacts. Um, so some of the things that we focused on in your practice, raising fees, making sure the fees are in the right place leading the team, 
by casting the vision and casting it with confidence, not, well, you guys, we're going to really try to go to the practice this year. We're going to give it a shot. We're going to see if it works and whatever happens, happens. No, it's going in and being unashamed, unashamedly saying, hey, guys, we're going to grow this practice this year. And this is how we're going to do it. And hopefully you're on board because I want you guys to be on board. But if not, we're still going to grow this practice with or without you. I know you really upped, and I think you were probably always pretty good at this, but increasing the praising and encouraging of the team. We definitely look at, at the role of the practice owner as the leader, as kind of a quarterback and a cheerleader. You know, you're calling the plays in the office, but you're also the biggest fan rooting for those team members. And I know you've started incentivizing them very well. Reviews, when we started, I think you had very few reviews, which was a big gaping hole, especially for any practice, but especially for fever service. Do you know how many reviews you're up to right now? Uh, 64, I think. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely in the right direction. Another thing, I know we talked a lot in the beginning about how new patients were entering your practice in regards to seeing you versus coming through hygiene, et cetera, et cetera. And then finally, there's some tracking of fees. And I know we cut back on some expenses where you were spending too much money that wasn't really translating to the bottom line. So those are the things that came to mind when I was kind of putting things together for this podcast. But in your mind, your point of view, you were boots on the ground. What are some of the things that made the biggest impact and really helped you in particular to go from where you were when we started to where you're at currently? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think there was a lot of, I think you hit most of them. The biggest change, I think, was like the internal change in me, you know, and just knowing and, and, and talking with you that, you know, you can, having the coach just saying, hey, you can do it. You know, it's, you know, that kind of was the biggest motivative force for me to kind of make some of these changes happen. It made them, made them easier, you know, because, you know, I was just kind of going about my clinical business and making sure everyone's kind of happy. But, you know, certainly the, I think incentivizing the staff and, you know, letting them have a little bit of ownership to what's happening in the practice too. They get excited about that. You know, my biggest fear with looking at goals for the practice, I never had production goals. I never had collection goals. They were just there, you know, and I had that in the previous practice and they were thought of from the team standpoint, they were thought as negative numbers, you know, because every conversation they had was why aren't those numbers being met? So here I was, now I got to talk to my team about, you know, raising fees, producing more. And really all it did was it, it made us focus more on the patients, I think, and, and looking for treatment that maybe, you know, we're just going throughout the business of the day and maybe we're overlooking something. You know, we've all seen that x-ray a year later and look back and like, oh man, maybe there was something there. You know, so looking at the fee structure and the production and trying to ramp that up a little bit it got us more focused and more, more things just started happening. You know, the more dentistry we talked about, the more dentistry we saw, it was kind of incredible. You know, and the patients were very receptive of it. It was, it was feeling good. You know, it's still feeling, it's still feeling good, but having the team kind of buy into that too. And, you know, helping them, you know, they made quite a bit of money in the past couple of months from the hard work that they did. No, it feels good to be able to, to give back and to see them and see some of their lives change and, Oh my gosh. I mean, just being completely like honest and off the cuff, like bonuses last month for the team, some of them it was almost, you know, what they made in one month normally. You know, so it was their income was almost doubled. That's awesome. And it's hard. I mean, not many bosses do that. And some some can't. And I understand that. And, you know, it has to be wise on how you implement a bonus system. That being said, when you're doing good enough and you can reward your team, bless your team, whatever you want to call it, thank your team. And they will walk through hell or high water for you. And I know for me, at least that was, there's no way I could have done what I was able to do without my team. And I tried to give back to them too. And it wasn't, I wasn't losing money. I was still making a lot of money and still able to give back. And just like you, I'm, I know you're making more money now and you're still your bonuses are way higher than they were. Well, I, I'll, I'll ask this next question first, and then I'll 
talk a little bit more. In your opinion, if I was a patient that came into your office, say in the spring before we began this push and I came in now, would I still recognize it as your practice? For instance, would I walk in now and feel like, man, everything's changed in here. There must be some new ownership, um, some DSO taking over this place. What would they be thinking? I'm not, I had, this is a, it's a tough, I don't think, I think from a confidence standpoint, I think they can feel it and the patients can feel it. You know, I think from a, like an overall, I don't think they would say like it's a completely different owner kind of thing. Um, you know, I think we did a lot of things well. Um, I think the confidence in our, in our team members and just, you can just tell, you can just tell when people are happy, you know, that's, that's like the coolest thing. I think patients can see that, um, you know, so I think it's uh, I think it is a different practice, you know, than it was. I think it's going to continue to grow and we're going to continue to, you know, push the envelope and we go into each day just knowing, you know, that we're there for the patients and, you know, whatever it takes, we're going to, we're going to try and do. So and I'm not sure if that answered the question appropriately, but that's, uh, you know, I think you're doing a great job. Yeah. And I think for me, it was kind of the same. I wanted to see how you answer, answer it because I don't think it's easiest. Uh, question to answer and partially could be because I didn't ask the question the best way. But when I went through coaching many years ago, and you've kind of alluded to this a few times in my practice group, I had a very good friend of mine ask like, what changed in my office? How was it different? And I remember when he asked that, it was very hard for me to explain. Yes, we had done a slight facelift, but at face value on one end of the spectrum, I felt like there wouldn't be much that had changed in patient size as they came in or really nothing that they could put their finger on and be like, Oh, you know, everything's rearranged and blah, blah, blah. But on the other end of the spectrum, I had felt like everything had changed because I had changed, you know, it was still my practice. It didn't feel like some big or small DSO come in and took it over, but we had tightened up many loose ends. And that's what we want. We're not looking to come into offices and turn them into dental mills, per se. We work on polishing and perfecting the simple things we do day in and day out, 100 times over, and the relationships inside the practice, whether it's between you and the team, the team and the team, team and the patients, you and the patients. And to us, to me, basically, I feel like those are the things that make a huge impact on improvement, not going in. Our goal is never to go in and completely reinvent the wheel, you know, unless we have to. So it kind of sounds like you were kind of the same way. Like, it's not like they're going to go in and be like, oh my gosh, everything's changed in here, but you have changed. You know, your team has changed. There's the more confidence, things like that, that is hard for people to put their finger on, I think. Yeah, I think, there's been a lot of, I mean, I, I've been in dentistry now for 10 years and there's a lot of consultants out there, you know, and I've seen them going to practice as the four suit guys walk into practice and this is their plan. They don't know anything about the office and this is their plan. You know, I just don't think just like you want to treat every patient exactly the same or treatment plan exactly the same, you know, based on their wants and their needs. You know, I think the practice itself has to be evaluated a little bit and, you know, fine tuned. And that's what I appreciate the most about you know, your outlook on that. So, well, thanks. Let's look at where you're at right now. Roughly, we're right about roughly six months after we began. Because I know if I'm a listener, this would be what I want. I want to hear, you know, proof is in the pudding. The stuff we've talked about, that's all great. But what does it translate to? What has it translated to? And I want to be very clear here with everybody listening. We're giving Chad all the credit. Yes, coaching is a tool to hopefully help doctors achieve things they may not otherwise. But at the end of the day, it's the doctor that has to put things into practice. They have to put in the effort. And I feel like we push that more than most other coaching companies in the fact that we don't send someone into your office to boss your team around, look over everyone's shoulder for a few days, and then they sit down and even though they've never been a dentist and had their own practice, they sit down and boss your team around and say, oh, Mary up front, you should be doing this. And Susie cleaning teeth, you should be doing this. We don't do that. 
because we believe you, the doctor, needs the to be the one to lead your team through changes because that's, in our opinion, that's where lasting change comes from. We want you to be set up to continue to build and grow your practice long after we're out of the picture. We don't want you to be dependent on Justin, Derek, Steve, or anyone else that we may hire under us, which we don't have any of those people, because we want you to continue to grow. We want you to iron sharpens iron. We want you to build those leadership muscles so that you're bulked up and ready to hit the ground running once we're done working together. So in ending up based off the last form that you sent me before our uh, the last call that we had in the previous four weeks before that call, and that was just probably a week ago that we had it, your average production collections was 123000 um, up from 93000 when we started, $30,000 increase, which would be great if that's all that happened, in my opinion. But that was that 123000 production collection was basically during your first full month of going to three days a week, not three and a half days a week. You know, I think we were halfway through our time and we were talking about when we were going to cut time. And I think we just had that talk like, bro, you know, you could go to three days a week right now. Yeah, maybe I can. We don't need to wait too long. So, yeah, I think, you know, if your overhead should be now with those new numbers, should definitely be in the low to mid 50s. I would say if we're continuing that average of 120 plus thousand. So kind of recap, that's an increase of $30,000 per month, $360,000 per year. Kept that up, roughly 20, 25% growth there while decreasing, which this is the amazing part to me. You've grown that much while decreasing your time in the office by 25%, four days to three days. And obviously, I think most people know this. We believe in pushing our clients till they scream uncle sometimes. But your goal was to be at three and a half days, drop from four to three and a half days within 12 months when we started. And you were able to go to three days within six months or less while increasing $30,000 a month, um, which that production, average production collections was actually at your 48th month goal. Because we kind of look at, in the very beginning, folks, we kind of look at where do you want to be 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, 48 months. And I think at 48 months, you had said you want to be at 120,000 plus um, in production. So all in all, I'm pretty freaking impressed. Um, well done, man. Yeah. I mean, just hearing that, I'm starting to sweat a little bit because I know there's one more day left this month, right? But um, <laughs> it's um, it's been pretty incredible. I mean, I think... You know, like you said, we had talked about that that three day a week time frame wasn't even really in my, you know, it wasn't even in the really the discussions too much at the very beginning. You know, we talked about it, and you know, because you're good at reminding of goals and you know talking about that every time. But I think I just said one day, "Hey, I'm thinking about this." You're like, "Why can't you?" I'm like, oh, "I don't have a good answer for that." Um, so we just kind of picked a we picked a date. And then, man, the wheels just started turning. It became like, okay, this is going to happen. You know, you and I just kind of worked through, we talked through like scheduling stuff and, you know, how's, how's that going to happen or can that happen? We worked out a lot of kinks in that first, that first month. I mean, you know, it's, it's a hard three days. I mean, it's not, it's not easy, especially like that first month. I mean, I was more tired after that third day than I was after four days, <laughs> um, I don't think it's going to be easy. I mean, they definitely like you got to push yourself, but you know, my biggest concern about the whole process and doing that is the first one is that we're going to be able to keep up with it, you know, cause there's nothing more annoying than going into an office, dentist's office, doctor's office and having to wait, you know, beyond your appointment, you know, that doesn't show that the patient's time really matters. So we got to keep the time. We got to keep on time and the quality can't drop. Absolutely. The quality, that's like a, that's a hard line right there. That can't, that can't happen, you know? So it took, it, it took some time and we, we did run behind. I mean, we were trying to figure out scheduling and staggering and, 
you know, all that and making sure the EFTA was able to keep up with her work, the timing of it and getting into the hygiene appointments, you know, on time was, was a challenge too, you know, but with training the hygienist to be basically ready to talk about treatment and having those photographs taken and having those conversations already happening and, you know, me just being that, just kind of looking at it and saying, okay, yeah, I, you know, this is what we're going to do. This is what's happening. And, you know, just kind of leading the patient to the next step. So it was wild. I mean, it was just things just kept happening. Um, but I think once you start focusing and once you start doing that, you know, the second you take your foot off the gas, though, it will, it will slow a little bit. Um, and you and I had those conversations too, where I was like, wow, we did like $14,000 yesterday. You know, I'm like, oh, I can take it easy today. I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> Uh, so you, you got to stay focused. That's not just those numbers. They're not just going to happen on their own. You got to be out there pushing your team and, you know, you know, leading them and in a good way. You can't be, you can't be pushy about it. You got to, there's a lot that goes into those conversations and there's got to be respect both ways. I mean, if you are in a situation where, you know, if you're open to having the whole team talk as one and work things out together, Man, they're gonna do it for you. No, I appreciated you said um, it's not easy, and you were tired. And a hundred percent, I don't want people to think that. I don't ever want that to be a surprise at the end. Like crap, yeah, I'm, I'm making some more money, or I'm, I've went down. I've cut my time and work by twenty five percent, but I'm tired. You know what? You're gonna be tired. There is no magic pill for that to do. 125% of the work and 75% of the time and say, you're not going to be tired. You're going to be tired. But all those things you just mentioned are, we're still in the first month and a half of you being there. So it, I'm never going to say it gets easy, but I will say it gets easier. You know, you get used to it. You figure out, you know, a little bit what your body can handle, what the team can handle, little tweaks here and there as you move along. But the first month, to do that and still crush the production. I mean, granted, you couldn't enjoy those four days off because you were in bed asleep, but <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, it takes a day. Right. <laughs> I had three days, right. you know, then I had three days to relax. So. But definitely, no doubt, as time goes on, I mean, you never going to say you're not going to be tired on those Wednesday afternoons because I was tired, but it's definitely different six months down the road than it is month one of doing it. So, yeah. And I- I can feel that month. I can feel it this month. I mean, it almost feels like, can we do more? Um, you know, I, I kind of, I know there's, you know, there's certainly limitations. You don't want to press it to it breaks kind of thing. So, yeah, I think we're learning where there's expect, where there's expectations are and where the limitations are. You know, a lot of it has to do with some same day dentistry too. Those are hard to, to manage, but we're, those are the biggest kinks in the schedule that make things challenging. You can pre-fill it with, you know, stuff and it's that part gets more easy, but, if you're trying to do same day stuff, that's the challenge, I think. And there, no doubt, there's going to be challenges along the way. There always is, and I don't want to give that aura off to people listening. Of, oh, Chad's been able to do this, and you know now everything's always unicorns and sunshine. It's not. I mean, he will still run into problems. We all run into. There will still be hiccups along the way. Somebody may quit someday. Somebody may have to move because of a spouse's job or whatever. But I feel like you are very, because of the leadership you took on during this process, I don't feel like there's anything anyone is going to be able to throw at you that you're like, ah, oh, crap. Now I got to go back to 90,000 four days a week. No, you will. I feel like you're very well equipped to handle the stuff that will still inevitably come at you from time to time. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's kind of part of the business, the part of the nature of it. You know, that's, that's what we signed up to do. So, um, and problem solvers, you gotta, you work it out. I mean, I think letting a problem go and not addressing it like on the spot, I think that's probably the biggest, the biggest, um, I can crush it all. <laughs> well, hats off, man. I can't tell you how impressed I am, proud I am, um, you know, what you, and hopefully people out there are getting motivated, getting fired up, getting inspired. Because, I mean, Chad's an awesome guy. Don't get me wrong. Chad's, like I said in the beginning, he's a stud. But I I don't necessarily – it's easy for me to say if Justin can do it, you can do it. But I will say if Chad can do it, there's other people out there. They can do it too. Chad's awesome, but there's a lot of awesome doctors out there too. So 
hopefully this gives them some inspiration to do it if they've been kind of in that groundhog day of running a practice. Like, what else is there? I'm sick of going to work. Same thing. I'm doing fine, but it's the same thing day in, day out. So you definitely became a man on fire during it. And, you know, that is a big part of, you know, you were focused. You set the goal. We said we're going to hit the goal and you hit it. And hats off, man. Well done. Thanks. I mean, it's, it's, um, it felt like you were on the, in the, like in the pits with me when, and during those discussions and stuff too. So it really helped. Um, but I'm in a great spot right now. It's, it's a kind of fun little journey. I enjoy going to work now and even more than that, enjoy four days off a week. So, <laughs> and planning on six weeks off next year, right? Yeah, I have, I have five scheduled right now. The biggest, uh, it's the biggest challenge I'm having right now is I need a hobby. Right, and people right. tell me I need a hobby. No hobbies. The last 20 years I've been devoted to dentistry. So trying to figure that out. It's been a little tougher than I thought, but you know, now I have four days a week and five, six weeks a year to try and figure that out and kind of reinvent myself from a personal level. So I can tell you what I did bodybuilding and modeling and it's worked out just fine. Yeah. Who would have thought, huh? (laughs) So anyways, Chad, thanks for being with us today. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Justin. I appreciate it, man. You should be very proud. So that's it for this week, folks. If you have any questions or concerns, contact us at Justin, Derek, or Steve at Lifestyle Practice and lifestylepractice.com. TLP Academy and Coaching is open this week. If you're not signed up to get information about it, go over to our website, get signed up, or email us. Tell us you want to get signed up. And as always, we greatly appreciate your iTunes reviews, subscribes, ratings, if and only if you're getting any value from this podcast. If not, stop listening. I wouldn't blame you. Until next week, peace. We gon' make it all the way. We don't care what they all will say. Don't listen to the hate, no. Listen to my fate, yo. Destined to be great.